0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Gio and Joey Show. It's just Gio today. And that's not Joey, that's Ryan. But we're going to just hang out for a bit and talk about life. He's a young man I've met through DW friends, And I love what he posts on Twitter, standing up for the faith of Jesus Christ. Ryan, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me on the show, man. I I really appreciate it. Yeah, cool. So tell everybody... About your channel. I know you have your own little Ryan TV. What's that about? What do you talk about and uh, let people know who you are?
1: Yeah. So about four years ago, I was living in New York, upstate New York and New York City or New York passed this bill called the Reproduction Healthcare Act. And this allowed for babies to be aborted into the third trimester for health reasons. And I watched as the Empire State Building was lit up pink and everybody was celebrating this. And it was in that moment where I, my heart broke and I felt God calling me into this arena, calling me to use my voice, use my platform or to build a platform to speak out against that. So that's what I did, man. I just started recording. (laughs) I started speaking about abortion and just whatever else came to mind. And now I speak on politics, culture, religion, faith family, and really whatever I feel led to speak about I mainly talk about cultural issues, I think it's really important. And I think there's a desperate need for it, especially people to make light of the craziness happening in this world with faith perspective.
0: No, that's important. That's similar to what Gio and Joey's show is about, where we basically try to take the Christian faith and put it in the secular arena without having to appeal to scripture. Because a lot of people don't believe in scripture, right? And so they don't hold scripture as any authority. But what we believe in, what you and I believe in, uh, most of the cultural stuff, not the stuff dealing with God, but the cultural stuff can be defended without having to appeal to scripture, like abortion. Nobody believes murder is a good thing, right? So why does it change? Because it's in the womb, right? So we try to use logic and cultural stuff. Similar to what you're doing to try to get people to understand, look, is right and wrong is wrong. And you don't have to appeal to scripture when we're dealing in relationships between between our neighbors, quote unquote. We like to call it the second tablet theology, right? God made the 10 commandments. There are two tablets, but one tablet deals with my relationship with God and the other deals with my relationship with man. That one we can debate without having to appeal to scripture and we should all have a voice, right? That's one thing. Yep. Have you noticed that they try to sh- shut down Christian voices simply because they have a Christian perspective, but we can defend our stuff without appealing to scripture. Yeah.
1: You know what's it's a really interesting thing. So anytime I get into debates with secular people, they're always the one actually bringing up religion. I don't yes. bring it up. They bring it up. And then when they do gloves are off. All right, you brought it up. Now I'm okay. going to talk. Now, now I'm going to give you my two cents because I do believe in the authority of scripture, even if you mm-hmm, don't yeah. like I do. And I I started out a little bit relying on scripture less, but now I'm at a point where I just, I don't care if they accept or not, whatever, because I know this is true. I know it is. Oh. And there's no question in my mind. And if you accept it or not, it doesn't change the fact that it's still true. And uh, it's the antidote to a lot of the chaos that we're seeing this world right now. And uh, I hold it with high regards and I'm
0: willing to defend it unto death. Amen, brother. I saw a video today. I forgot who the guy is. I follow him on Twitter, but I'm bad with names. Where he asks a question when he debates atheists. And he says, if first he asks this question, he doesn't preface it, but to test their sincerity. He says, if Christianity were true, Let's put away that you don't believe in God. Let's put away that you don't like religion. Just go with the fact. If Christianity is true, would you become a Christian? And if they say no, then he says, then I know they're not really after truth. They're just hating it. Then it's, they say yes. If they can be proven that it's true behind that, then he knows he's dealing with somebody in a good, faith effort, right? And so I thought that was pretty cool because Look, if you find it to be true and you still wouldn't become a follower of Jesus, then you got other issues. So uh, what'd you think of that? I don't know if you heard the guy. I, mean, no, I, no, him up, if-
1: I never heard of that guy, but I actually started implementing something similar. So it's, I will usually ask, what evidence would it take to, pr- to prove to you that this is real? And if I could prove it to you, would you even follow Jesus? Would you start keeping the commandments? Would you give your life to him? And most people are like, no, they, they wouldn't. Then you don't want to believe.
0: Then you're wasting my time. Yes, that's a good point. So now that you're talking about this, I don't know why this came up in my head, but what you, did you hear about the Mexican aliens? Supposedly the aliens that are from outer space that Mexico found and that's the uh, rating. <laughs> yeah, what, I saw that. View? Yeah, what's your whole view on that? And what do you think it is? And why do you think there's a growing trend of identified objects or whatever they call them now, UAPs.
1: UAPs. Yeah. That particular Mm. one I thought was, as soon as I saw it, I thought it was a hoax. It just, it it looked like they literally, let's just make ET, but make him skinnier and we'll try to pass it off as a real alien. And it did not pass the test. I believe it was like a bunch of bodies meshed together. And that's how they came up with this little alien-looking creature, but it was a hoax. But I do think there is this trend of UAPs, and there has been phenomenons seen. But my Mm -hmm. view is a little bit different. So I don't believe in aliens, at least in terms of how the world believes, like little green Mm -hmm. men coming from (laughs) outer space. I believe that aliens are likely demons, um, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, masquerading as not even masquerading. When you think of aliens, you think of otherworldly beings. What is an angel, an otherworldly being beyond Mm -hmm. anything that we could possibly comprehend? And they also have just a wide knowledge of humanity. So they could very easily deceive us. And who knows if they we have technology, do they have technology? Can they use that technology against us? Are they currently using our technology? And I think there's other logical explanations, like the existence of holographic technology that could easily be used to fake some of these phenomenons that we're seeing. I just saw the other day this drone show that was happening in the sky, and it was making smiley faces. In China, right? Yeah, and all these elaborate patterns. I'm like, if they could do that, then what else can they do? And this is the technology that they're showing us. So what else is there? So I don't think, I don't think there's aliens in the traditional sense. I think I think they're demons, or likely there's some sort of holograms going on.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I made a short video in our channel, and I stated, look, I believe there is life beyond this world. I just don't believe... Outside of the angels, I don't believe the Lord is going to allow them to come to this contaminated planet of sin, right? Let alone die, right? Death is quarantined to this planet. They're not going to come here and die and be discovered. I'm a big fan of the book of Revelation. And so Revelation talks about in chapter 16 and in chapter 12. 12, it talks about, 12 verse 9 talks about how Satan's going to deceive the whole world. Yeah, And then in chapter 16, it talks about these three frog spirits going to the kings of the earth to deceive them, right? So something, something, I look at it as the devil as a baker, right? He's kneading the dough. He's preparing the world for some type of massive deception. And I don't know the details of it, but the Lord warned us, right? In Matthew 24 about if they say Christ is here, do not go or he's there. You know, cause price, when he comes, he's coming to take over. He's not coming to do a private CNN interview. Yeah. In some building and yeah. So the, so I look at it as Satan is preparing the world for something massive. And you and I, not just you and I specifically, humanity has to be aware that something's going to go down and we got to be ready.
1: Yeah. I, I think part of that deception, man, has, has already happened. Uh, and I think the lawlessness that we're seeing in the world is a great example of that. We know uh, in um Matthew uh 7:21 through 22 that there are going to be many yeah. people that do incredible things in Jesus name. They heal the sick, they give sight to the blind, they cast out demons, but Jesus will say depart from me, I never knew you who practice lawlessness. And we're mm-hmm. seeing lawlessness take place in the world right now. Just it's abounding. And we're seeing that honestly coming from the church and self-professed Christians and I just think things are going to get a whole lot worse before they get better.
0: Yeah, I agree. There's a, in the book of Ezekiel chapter eight and nine, it's a prophecy. I like to study, but you know, in that chapter, it says that the judgment begins with the house of God, meaning that, that the ones who are going to quote unquote, I'm using lightly here, who are going to get it worse are not really the heathens are the professed Christians who are giving God a bad name. No, they're going to be held more accountable because supposedly you're my follower and you're, you know, that Congresswoman. I forget her name. What's her name? Lauren, right? Oh, yeah, Lauren Bovert. And we'll, we'll talk about that here in a bit. She is supposedly pro family, pro Christian. And in the Gio and Joey show, we did a, oh, an episode on her. Not about what happened recently, but because she was at a church saying that she doesn't believe in the separation of church and state, that the church should be running the state. And she said this at a church and look, politicians are politicians. They're going to appeal to their audience. But what gave me more concern was not necessarily her, but the whole church was clapping. And look, I'm a big proponent of morality. I'm a big proponent of the church, but the church and state needs to be separate. Anytime you look at history, when the church gets power, it doesn't go good for the people, right? You think of the medieval church persecuting, killing over 60 million people. So let me let you jump in here because I could go on a ranch forever. <laughs> yeah, I think the way that I, I do think there needs to be,
1: so a lot of people will use that separation of church and state to mean that we need to separate church from state and that we're not mm-hmm. allowed to live Have our voice. faith authentically in, in, in the halls of Congress, in, in politics. And we're just supposed to keep quiet and stay in our pews and say nothing. And I don't think the gospel stops at the door of politics. I believe now more than ever. Yeah, we don't
0: advocate that either. We don't advocate that either, yeah.
1: That's awesome. And I believe now more than ever that we need men and women, God-fearing men and women of God to hold office and take their faith seriously. And and my hope is that the, the halls of Congress actually start to look a little bit more like Jesus and a less like the world. And then it's, it's this grassroots movement thing instead of us just seizing raw raw power and wielding it against our enemies. Is that the more and more we share the gospel message with other people, that starts to resonate, starts to penetrate people's hearts all the way up into the, the, to Congress, to, to the White House, to, to the President of the United States. That would be the ideal. But yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. my take.
0: Yeah, no, and I agree. The way I like to look at it is I would love for Christianity to conquer America, but through persuasion of the Holy Spirit, not through the sword. And that's where she was coming across as through the sword, right? Through the power of legislation. No, I want to do the power of persuasion because power corrupts. And the only person who it doesn't corrupt is our Lord and Savior. And so when people get the the power for the wrong reason. Ironically, the mayor from New York City, Eric, I forget his last name. Adams. But yeah, Eric Adams. He had a good quote about, I'm not leaving my face at the door. So he worded it a little weird, but overall, after watching his interview, I was in agreement with it. Just because I'm a politician doesn't mean I'm going to leave my faith at the door. My faith in, informs all of me, not just yeah. some of me, right? And so it is going to bleed into my decisions in office, but my biggest thing and the biggest thing with Geo and Joey's show is we are a big avid, advocate of protecting what we call liberty of conscience, right? Yeah. That is huge, right? We may not agree on every detail, but you have the right to believe whatever you want. Now, you may not act however you want in my house but the moment you leave my house you can do whatever you want believe whatever you want and so that's big for us right protecting liberty of conscience which is why i wanted to ask you this now years removed not too many years removed but what'd you think of the whole covid thing from beginning to end and and some of the yeah some of the things that were seen heavy-handed dude in the beginning i
1: was like most people we didn't know what what was going on with the virus I, I remember i was coming back from bolivia i was there on a mission trip i was coming back or actually i was on my way there and i first started hearing stories of things happening in wuhan and i remember being on the plane watching stuff go watching like videos of these people being dragged out of their houses. i'm like holy oh my <laughs> god this is horrible i've been in an airport right now i'm in like the worst place imaginable to be I go there, I do my, I, I stay there about a week, I come back. And shortly after I came back, everything started getting locked down. And I, I understood then two weeks of slow the spread. And we foolishly believed yeah. that. And mm-hmm. the two weeks came and went and we were still locked down and, and things were getting worse. And I early on said, this is not sustainable. We cannot stay locked down. And I remember I, I went to an anti-lockdown protest in, in New York to protest it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they started to just abuse their power and and try to shut down churches. I remember them coming after John MacArthur's church in, in California, trying to shut mm-hmm. his church. And then they had the that that one pastor in Canada that they were dragging through the mud because he refused to shut down his church. And we we saw the very beginning stages being set of them coming against the church and using this public health emergency mm-hmm. as a do that. And that was seriously concerning to me. That was eye-opening because it was the first time I was like, wow, they can really do it. It's possible. And it happened really quick. Like I would have imagined all the churches would just comply right away and lock down and some of them stay locked down and then pitting each other against one another, stoking fear against one another. There were so- certain churches that wouldn't let you in if you didn't mask. There were certain churches... Yeah that were completely massless, but you saw this division, this chasm being formed. And it was really jarring for me, but it, it gave me the glimpse of what could happen. And it, it was unsettling.
0: For me, there was an, it opened my eyes to how quickly people can turn on each other because the divide got really clear for a period. And here in Texas, Texas has always been a little bit more maverick. Type. So I remember watching videos of New York and and the heavy handedness. And here in Texas, we're not wearing masks. We're walking outside and going to certain in Houston, which is very liberal. There were more lockdowns. But I remember thinking to myself, and, and I admit it, and I've spoken to some people. To this day, there are some people I no longer view the same. Some people who were supposedly proponents of liberty and liberty of conscience who We're advocating treating others as second-class citizens. I'm always cordial and friendly with people, but it's not the same because you could see, man, crisis, right? It takes a crisis to reveal character and I saw it and look, like you, I wasn't opposed to 15 days to slow the spread, right? That was the slogan, right? But then I started seeing that it was rules for you, but not for me. Yeah. These politicians and then my wife is a medical doctor once they started advocating the vaccine for younger younger people and then they couldn't force it but they were putting every pressure they could nah and i'm not against vaccines and my wife and i are vaccinated not for covid regular vaccines our daughters we have three daughters they have their shots for certain vaccines not every one of them because we don't believe they need everyone but with this one I was a little leery. I'm glad I never got it. I got COVID twice. I've had sloons that were stronger than my COVID. And so if you wanted to get it, I, I don't know if you got it or not. That's fine. But it was the liberty of conscience issue. That pressing, that pressure. And then you see the videos, right? Going around, was, this is going to be a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And Oh, yeah, you know, I the, remember that. The filth of the earth and you don't love grandma. And that really is scary because I personally believe that globally there's going to come a time where they're going to put more pressure to make people comply.
1: Yeah. And you know what? When they did mandate people get the vaccine, I remember I was in jeopardy of mm-hmm. losing my job because I didn't want to get the vaccine, but I held my ground. I'm like, I'm not getting it. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. You're not. Forget whether it worked or not. I just—I'm young. I'm healthy. I didn't need it. So I'm, yes. and I had COVID. So I had those natural antibodies. So I was like, I'm just mm-hmm. not doing it. I'm not complying. I'm not going to go along with it. And and thank God for companies like the Daily Wire that sued the Biden administration and won and revoked though overturned those vaccine mandates. But it, it got really crazy, man. Just a quick story. I I got COVID when I was living in New York, and I. Yeah, wanted to do the right thing, went down, got my test. They said I had to quarantine for two weeks or whatever. That's fine. I had a room in our home where I could stay separated from everybody else. I had my own little bathroom. So we were good. I could stay away from everybody. Mm -hmm. So I did what I had to do. I got called by contact tracers and they start asking me questions. I'm giving them the answers and they start to ask me then about everybody else in my household. They want their names, their age, where, where they've been. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not giving you this information. I, was like, and I just mm-hmm. refuse to, to, to give it to them. Then she started to threaten me. And she's like, you have to provide us this information. If you don't do it, we're going to send the cops to get it. And I thought she was bluffing. So I was like, no, I'm not doing it. I ended the call. Dude, they called the cops on me. The, the cops wow. showed up at our house. The good stop-o. Uh, Well, getting this. Imp- Thankfully, the cop was nice. He was cool. But but he still came. He still came and was mm-hmm. asking for this information. It was something that that shook my family up. And it is actually ultimately what caused us to leave New York. It was the final mm-hmm. straw. We're like, we're just not doing this anymore. And uh, yeah, we we packed our bags and, and we left and we're, we're not looking back. And I do think we're, we might be gearing up for something. And I just hope that people are wise enough this time around. And, you know, there are just some things too that were just insane. You look back and you see what what we were doing. I mean, going into restaurants, wearing masks just to take them off when we sat down. It's just like that type of nonsense. Yeah. We cannot <laughs> compile it because it just fits beyond absurd. It just makes no sense. And part of it is, is this like, are they just testing us to see how far they can push us and what we'll comply with and what we'll do?
0: I don't know, man. That's a whole other. Biblically speaking, like I said, I like to study the end times books, Daniel, Revelation. It talks about in Revelation 13 and 14 about if you don't get the mark of the beast, then you won't be able to buy and sell and not say that the vaccine was the mark of the beast. So if anybody. And my face is listening. That's not what I'm saying. But I saw this as a test run as how far can they push you and you just comply like she. And like I said, I'm, I don't care whether you got the vaccine or not. That's not my issue. It's the liberty of conscience issue. I'm, I have autonomy over my own body. I'm not a woman who has a child in her body, right? I'm a grown man. And if me and my wife decide we don't want to get this... We should be at liberty not to get this. And yes, there could be consequences because the state does hold some sort of public safety authority, but my wife and I both work from home. So there's no reason for us to get it. My girls are homeschooled. So that I saw as, man, this is how it's going to be, man, because people turned on each other quick in in supermarkets, right? How nasty people get when they think it's the last piece of toilet paper. Did you Another have that concerning, no, we didn't. I, I didn't have that as much because
1: we lived upstate New York. So we call knew each other is a little bit more community minded. But one, one Small other panel. thing too, that concerns me is that they have record now of everybody who's not complying because everybody who didn't comply, at least that was working for these employers had to submit a letter stating that they're refusing the vaccine. So now there's a database. Okay. These are the problem children. What are we going to do about them? Mm-hmm. That makes me uneasy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, because look, you know, going back to scripture, you look throughout from Genesis to Revelation, it always boils down to worship, right? And yeah. Adam and Eve, they didn't believe God, they believed the enemy. And so in essence, they worshiped the enemy. The very next story, right? Chain and Abel, it was about. Cain not bringing the right sacrifices and getting all mad about it and putting the blame on his brother. You go throughout this one fascinating story in Luke that Herod and Pilate were enemies until what? The trial of Jesus. Then they became friends, right? In the persecution of the true Christian, right? Jesus Christ, the Holy One, they became friends. And then you look at Revelation 13 and 14, right? Whoever doesn't worship the beast cannot buy or sell. So anytime anything is a threat to liberty of conscience, it perks my ears up because it's coming one day and we've seen it in history.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely agree. I, the writing's on the wall and I think I, my hope is that people are not naive this time around and they're mentally prepared and they're willing to stand up for what they believe and they just don't get in line with it.
0: Yeah. So do you i'm pretty sure you've been hearing about and there's a new variant coming around you yeah. think it's politically motivated driven it is ironic that it's
1: happening around election season i, I can't say one way or the other um mm-hmm. i do know that regardless even if it wasn't uh you know politic politically motivated they're going to use it for their political advantage they're going to use it to push in mail-in ballots they're going to use it to, to expo- exploit people and take advantage of it and pit people against each other too. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be exploited regardless of whether they planned it or not. I don't know, but I know they'll exploit it because they've done it before. If we pay attention to history, it's not going to be surprised when they do it again.
0: Yeah, yeah. And look, I'm not a conspiracy theorist guy. I try to stay grounded in reality. However, as I see stuff happening, man, the more I'm starting to think there's shady stuff, I and mean, not necessarily in the conspiracy theory mode, but I think we are living towards times where we're going to start seeing more crazier stuff. The UFOs. Have you heard about agenda 2025? I haven't. I have not. I'm not familiar. Okay. With that. Yeah. Yeah. Agenda 2025. Cause the only reason I bring it up is several people have sent me videos on it and agenda 2025. It sounds great. And I'm not opposed to it, but I always have one hand on, let me make sure it passes the biblical test. Agenda 2025 is several conservative group tanks are combining forces to invite people to Washington, D.C., and they will train you and coach you to become involved in politics. Some places I even heard that, let's say, for example, Ryan, you want to become a mayor one day. They'll find you a small town that you're willing to move, let's say in suburb of Chicago. I'm just making it up, right? Where they'll put their resources behind you and get you elected. And then we have a conservative person in a small town that used to be blue. And so yeah. that's all fine and dandy, but the re- the people who are sending it to me once again, it's that delicate balance. Okay, once we're in power, are we going to force people to believe our way? Or are we going to try to persuade? If we're going to try to persuade people to believe our way, I'm all for it. If we're going to try to use laws that coerce liberty of conscience because I'm not opposed to passing moral laws that deal with you and I. But any laws that begin to affect people's relationship with Christ or with God, uh, that's where I draw the line. So that's... Our, I. Just curious if you had heard of it. Look it up when you get a chance. Agenda yeah, no, 2025. Exactly. check that
1: out. It's very interesting. I know early on in my walk, God told me I am not to become a politician. He made that very clear to me. So okay. I just comment on it. I, uh, I personally yeah, yeah. Don't, don't let anything to do with it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's funny. My wife said, maybe it was the Lord speaking to me through my wife. She basically said, if you had any political aspirations before we got married, I wouldn't have married. Hmm. He doesn't want anything to deal with politics as far as office and stuff or police work. I used to be a volunteer police chaplain and that's some scary work.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. Actually God shut that door on me too, man. I was trying to be a police officer before I left New York. Mm -hmm. Shut that door, sent me in a different
0: direction. Yeah. and, And it's crazy, man. In New York, I grew up in New, I don't know. I grew up in born in Manhattan, raised in the Bronx. I still have family there and it's just getting wilder and wilder. I remember when I was 12 years old, my parents unfortunately are divorced, but I remember when I was 12 years old, living in the Bronx in 174th Street, my mom would tell me, get on the train, go to downtown Times Square at the Port Authority, collect the $500 child support from your father who worked in downtown Manhattan and come back home at 12 years old with $500 in my pocket. I would never do that today, but it's even how quickly this was in the eighties. So I'm dating myself. How quickly things have changed? Yeah, man. Two of my uh, family members, uh, both
1: of them, got in this past year, got assaulted in the subway systems in New York City, and it's just like that's just the state of lawlessness that we're seeing in that uh, state. the bill reform has turned the city into basically Gotham City,
0: and. And it's, it's wild, man. Yeah. Hey, speaking of Gotham City, the way you labeled it there, Gotham City, what do you think? The Bible talks about lawlessness increasing, and we alluded to it. What do you think, from a practical standpoint, right? Let's not appeal to Scripture in this little segment. What do you think is going on in society that we're starting to see? And we're going to show a clip here of two young men who did something horrible. What do you think, right? If you were talking to somebody who was asking you, why would decay morality? And it seems to be exponential here in the last few years. For me, I think
1: we've forgotten God. I really do believe mm-hmm. that's part of it. There's this trend that you notice in the Bible, as you read, when people forget God's law, destruction is almost always inevitable. And the only time they avoid destruction is when they start remembering his law and start keeping it and following it. And then he has mercy on them and, and they avoid judgment. We saw that in Nineveh. They repented. They turned away and God spared that city. And I think that's what's happening today. We're seeing them remove God from the public school system. They can't pray. Can't read their Bibles. And if you ask your average person what the Ten Commandments are, they couldn't tell you. And that's a very good litmus test for even if they have a base understanding of his law. And if they don't, it's a pretty good litmus test to see where we're at as a, a culture. And I think that's that's what's happening right now is we're, we're lawless. We don't
0: know. We don't know his word. Yeah, I agree. And going also from the standpoint that families, I remember not too long ago, I like using, I'm, I'm a little older than you. I like using this illustration. In the 80s, there was a group called Lisa and the Cold Jack, mm-hmm. and she sang a song that went something like this, The lyric said, I wonder if I take you home. Would you still be there tomorrow? The implication, it wasn't even over, right? But the implication was, if we sleep with each other outside of marriage, are you still going to be there? Are you still going to be my boyfriend and all that? Fast forward to a song that I heard maybe about 10 years ago, uh, a, a female group, once again, now arguing the opposite, saying, what's taking you so long to unbutton my pants and and get going. And I forgot who was it that said it, one of these Stoics who said, let me listen to the music of the culture and I will tell you whether it's a growing society or a decaying society. And our music, just a couple of years ago, you were a DW fan, right? WAP was the number one song in yeah. So we see it all around and we see it without even appealing to scripture. You see it in the decay of families. You see it in the fact that objective truth is no longer objective truth, right? A man is no longer a man. A woman's no longer a woman. Children can make decisions that years ago we would have thought you're too young for that and now they want. So lawlessness, I'm going to queue up this clip, but for the audience that's watching, it was a clip that took place in, I think California. Let's hit them on purpose. What made it Next Man, so what'd you think of that when you first saw it? You know, it's the most chilling thing that stands out to me is that they don't even
1: seem to have like real emotions. They think it's funny that they're pretty apathetic, like they're playing some sort of video game and that's how like, it's just really bad because there's no even remorse. Oh my God, what have we done? They just think it's funny and it just, it's alarming. Honestly, that's the mentality that they have. It's not, e- I would rather them feel remorse or even extreme anger for this person, but apathy, I, I think that makes it that much more worse.
0: Yeah. I saw somebody comment, I don't say video games, but that it seemed like a scene out of a game called Grand Theft Auto. I've heard yeah. of the game, I know how violent it is. But yeah, and, and I like your point that you made. They didn't care. And it almost seems like they're too, I don't want I didn't want to stay dumb, but they're too, their conscience is so dull that they were surprised he was knocked out of, obviously we know he ended up dying, but what did they think was going to happen when you hit somebody unawares with a car, especially an older person? And then you could see, and you could hear in the video, that it was intentional. They, they were now. like, let's hit him. And I think my, one of my questions is like, what are the parents thinking? Right? I suspect there's
1: a, probably not a strong father figure in this household. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably one of the problems. And uh, I hope that their parents would be horrified, but judging by their behavior, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you could be that callous and come from a loving home.
0: Yes. And that's, and look, for those listening, the breakdown of society has happened because outside of God, right? It's because families have been devalued, right? It starts with God. We have forgotten God, and that leads to devaluing the family, which is an institution from genesis right from yeah. happy eden right where god made adam and eve and he made them to lead, father and mother and form this nucleus and be the core of society the core of society is a family and i'm not looking down on single mothers i was raised by a single mother for a while but she had her faith in god and I turned out okay. But, uh, but right, it's the nucleus family. And now that we don't even know what a family is, right? A family can be three people, four people, five people. I'm talking about couples, let alone kids, and kids can do whatever. I'm reminded of that verse in Timothy that talks about lawlessness, and there'll be gossipers, slanderers, unloving to parents. And we're starting to see that. And, and in a way, it's a sobering reminder that we're living in perilous times
1: yeah absolutely and we're just seeing that breakdown of the family happen on all levels we we brought up lauren bober earlier and that's another conservative congresswoman and she's she's not even divorced yet and she's going out about with this this other guy
0: yeah and let me show that video and then we'll we'll pick up there okay Right. So, this is a congresswoman there with her boyfriend, for those who may not know. And she's not even divorced yet. And here he is groping her in public. There's a pregnant lady telling her to stop smoking. They were asked to leave. For those who may not know the details, So you probably know a little bit more about her political career. This is the Blue career. Rush podcast, our New York Giants podcast, from the New York Post, down the pop. You probably know a little bit more of her political career. Let the audience know why this is important, who she is, what she claims to be.
1: She just narrowly won, too, I think, Colorado. She won her seat in Colorado just by very narrow margins. And she's somebody that claims to be a Christian. She tweeted about it and said she's a Christian, proclaims Christ. So I think I would have a little bit more tolerance for this if she didn't claim to be a Christian. But the fact is, she does. And that's what makes this a problem. And I saw a, a tweet recently talking about cr- Christless conservatives. And we're seeing this grow and grow. Conservatives that are completely divorced from biblical values. And the question is, what are you conserving? You're supposed yeah. <laughs> to be somebody that represents family values, and obviously we can't look to the world to promote family values, but you're somebody that claims Christ and this is how you're behaving it's completely unacceptable and we have to accept expect better of the people that are representing us it's not just her man it's most politicians as it stands right now we're, we're gearing up for the you know 2024 election and I could I'm going to speak for myself here I can't I don't see a single candidate that I feel fully comfortable throwing my support behind because they all compromise in some sort of way. I don't know if you've seen this going around yet, but uh, Donald Trump recently b- basically called uh, the the uh, the bans on abortion at, I think it's like six weeks. He was criticizing DeSantis for doing that and saying that, oh, this is horrible.
0: What are you talking about, man? L- you yeah, I think, I, think I saw somebody... Yeah, I think I saw somebody tweet about that that he's compromising on that because in his first term he was pretty, at least vocally, saying he wanted to ban abortion. Now he's trying to find a middle ground, and that's the type of candidate that's dangerous, right? Because he's just looking to placate the people. The majority is never going to be on the side. The majority is never going to be on the side of good values, right? That's why it's a narrow way and a broad way. And we need people who will uphold morality without using the sword to promote Christianity. Yeah. And without, without compromise,
1: man, it's just mm-hmm. very sad because we're not talking about compromising on like tax cuts or something like that. We're talking yeah. about compromising on the lives Life. of unborn babies. And if he's willing to compromise there, what else is he willing to compromise Two. Do you think he's going to win a single vote from a leftist by doing that? Do you think just because he concedes a little bit on abortion, he suddenly to leftist? You know what? I could vote for Trump now. No, they're not going to do that. They hate the man. It doesn't. It, it means nothing. And all it does is alienate the people that do support him, the people that do want to vote for them. It's very off-putting. And I, I have critiques of every single candidate, man, because I, I've seen them compromise in some sort of way where I'm just like man can we get somebody who's actually principled who's actually stands for conservatism and is willing to have a spine when it comes to when it comes to going to bat with the media when it comes to going to bat with the democrats but none of them none of them can
0: yeah people are beholden to this right yeah Uh, donald's not beholden to anybody as far as financially if he really is a billionaire but then he has other flaws right? His potty mouth and his potty thinking and his, and his lack of true Christianity. I remember one time when they asked him, are you a sinner or something, or do you need a savior? he was like, no, I'm a good person. Clearly not understanding the gospel and whatnot, but then the question boils down, I'm not asking you who you're going to vote for because I don't like getting into that either. But what are we left with? That's the other matter. Because if we believe, I'm, a, I'm more of a issues voter, right? So because of the issues I believe, that tends to lean me one way, politically, right? It tends to lean me Republican because of the voting issue. But like you said, man, all these guys, I wouldn't want them. The limit test is would I want any of these guys marrying my daughter? And the answer is no, <laughs> yeah. not only really because of who they are as people. And so it's, that's why I'm always reminded, man, we just gotta trust God because in the end, he allows what he allows and he'll fix whatever he needs to fix in do time.
1: Yeah. And I, I think this election season, I might sit it out. I think that's where I'm leaning right now, just because I'm so mm-hmm. off-put by a lot of them, they're even, I like DeSantis. But even him, there's this, he sent this man named Dave Rubin, who's a conservative gay commentator. He sent him and his husband onesies congratulating them on their, the twins that they were using two women as surrogates and also using two other women to get their eggs. And I just think that's crazy. That's not very conservative. Promote that. And it's just like, it's like things like that, that just really rub me the
0: wrong way. I think people don't understand that you can, look, you nor I are going to be mean to anybody. We're yeah. not going to be mean to gay people or anybody. I have friends that are gay. But there's a difference when you are in office as to what you're going to publicly promote and not. And so that's where I don't think people understand that balance. That, look, I'm not calling for anybody to be mean to anybody. We're to love our enemies. We're to love the least of these because Christ loved me the least of these. But it's what the Bible talks about, that appearance of evil, right? Yeah. Don't allow the appearance of evil to look like an endorsement. Just like I would not be alone in a hotel room with a woman that's not my wife. Yeah. Even if nothing happens, right? Nothing happens and nothing will ever happen. Let's say in that example. I still wouldn't do it because the appearance of evil and yeah. sometimes politicians don't know how to balance that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We saw the Lauren video. All right. Let's we're about an hour. Let's go another 10 minutes. And how do you s- listen? Let me cook a simple cut. So I can know where to find it cut. I right, So as we progress here in society, let's look now at the big biblical picture. How do you think this all ends? I know we read the back of the book and we win Christ, but how do you see it politically playing out? Because even though it's a spiritual battle, it's fought through humanity. How do you see the end times playing out? I think if we do not repent, uh, we are going
1: to continue to find ourselves at the mercy of wicked rulers. And I believe God raises up wicked rulers Uh, to bring judgment on people. And, you know, I don't think we can be a nation that expects to be blessed by God if we also support, uh, you know, murdering unborn babies and transing children and doing the horrific things that we're doing. I do not think that God will continue to bless our nation unless we repent. And I think that's key. And I think if we don't, though, things are just going to get a whole lot worse, and we know this we know that in the end times that things are going to get worse there's going to be famines there's going to be earthquakes there's going to be wars and rumors to war brother against brother sister against sister and and we're just going to see violence on a scale that we never seen before, and I think we need to mentally start preparing ourselves for, for it, but also willing to be bold and preach the gospel because obviously I don't want to see this happen in, in my okay. generation I would like to avoid God's judgment I would like to maybe postpone it a little bit but I don't know if uh, I don't know if that's going to happen so I do think at this point it does seem inevitable I'm just bracing myself and preparing for the worst I do not I would not be surprised if you know there came a time where gathering wasn't legal and we had to do it underground like they do in China or they try to pervert the church in some other way we're seeing uh, progressivism seep into the church so if they can't If they can't outright shut down the church, then maybe they'll just try to poison it from the inside out, which is what I think we're seeing with progressive churches and stuff like that. So I do think we're heading for some perilous times, but we can take heart in knowing that Christ overcomes the world and that God goes before us and fights for us, for those of us who are going to hold steadfast to his truth and his word and keep keep his commandments and seek him with our whole heart, our whole mind and our whole soul. And I think if we do that, then at least those of us listening or those of us watching and those of us who have ears to hear will at least have peace of mind knowing who holds the fate of our world, our, our world in the palm of his hands.
0: Amen. Amen. You mentioned two things that I want to point out. For those in the audience who may not know how or why God would use an evil ruler to get his people to repent, just look at the story of uh, Habakkuk. Read the book of Habakkuk, where He tells them that he's going to bring Nebuchadnezzar, the ruler of Babylon, to punish Israel. And that's where the first hand, the verse, the just shall live by faith is. So it's a lesson to us that we need to always understand that God is in control. And if he's in control, no matter how bad it gets, just stay to him. Although I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he's with me. So that's that. Second thing you mentioned. Uh, something, and I forgot what triggered it, but there's a book called The Devil and Karl Marx. Oh, yes, Progressivism in the Church, you spoke about. And this book, I'm not done with it because it's a heavy read. Uh, I'm actually listening to it on audiobook. The Devil and Karl Marx, how he describes the plan of these communists to infiltrate the church, to water the message down, because the church is the, the bedrock of, of society really in a sense, right? It provides the family values. And if you start dwindling that, and perhaps in a future episode, I lay a lot of the troubles in society on the church, not really the secular people, because yeah. the, the hypocrisy of the leaders in the church have led to other people, not caring the church acts like that. Look at this Congresswoman we spoke about. She's a representative of Christ. right? I don't do that, right? In 2 Corinthians 5, I think it is, where Paul says where the guy had his father's wife and the church is all cool with it. And Paul says, well. not even the Gentiles tolerate this kind of stuff. And so yeah. as we see the decadence in the church, I put a lot of the blame. And you brought up a lot earlier in our conversation how there are going to be people who said, hey, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Raise the dead, perform many miracles, and Jesus is going to be like, yo, I never knew you, which reminds me of a Baptist preacher I like to listen to every once in a while named Paul Washer. And he says, I remember he was the first one I heard say, look, he used to say, the most important thing I thought in my life was that I knew Jesus. He goes, that's not the most important thing in, my, in the world. The most important thing in the world is that Jesus knows you in light of that yeah. verse, right? Because you can proclaim you know Jesus, but if he don't know you, you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So as I see the last days, look, I think America is on a downward spiral like Rome. I don't think we recover from this. But I also think that if America doesn't recover from this, then Christ is coming back. I really believe that this is the last oak of this planet because this representative government outside of, I'm talking about earthly government, right? It's the first experiment. Everything that's either been yes. a keen or heavy handedness of the church, right? Church and state yes. being mixed together in the medieval church. And so if America, which was a beacon for religious liberty, if that should ever go down the tubes, God better come home because I don't know what's going to save us. Not We've been told. They're, if they're persecuted Christ, they're going to persecute us. And so we, my my life's, I don't want to say model, but one of the things I live for is I think America is a sinking ship. And I'm going to try to save as many people as I can. Because yeah. Christ is the only one who can give us eternal life. I'll give you the last word, brother. Yeah, I think you're right. I
1: think um we are, you know, no matter, you know, I like to think of it this way, you know, no matter what, we are either going to die or Jesus is going to come back and we need to live with a sense of urgency, like he's going to come back tomorrow because we don't know the day or hour. It's going to happen Mm -hmm. abruptly and we need to be right with God. We need to be seeking with him. We need to raise a standard in our churches, be men and women who fearlessly serve God no matter the cost and are willing to stand Mm -hmm. when standing is the hardest. And I think right now, more than ever, that's what the world craves. They crave believers who actually believe. They actually take their faith seriously because the world is never going to take your faith seriously if you don't. So I think if I could leave this audience with one thing, take your faith seriously, learn your Bible, get in the word, get in community with other believers. And because they're going to be your lifeline when things start getting rough and together in prayer. And it, through seeking the scriptures, we can overcome whatever the enemy throws at us in this world.
0: Amen. Hey, brother, you said something. I said I was going to give you the last word, but I want to read yeah. this quote that I just sent to some friends. And I think it captures what you just said. It says, look, when the religion of Christ is most held in contact, when his law is most despised, Then should our zeal be the warmest and our courage and firmness the most unflinching. To stand in defense of truth and righteousness when the majority forsake us. To fight the battles of the Lord when champions are few. This will be our test. At this time we must gather warmth from their coldness of others. Courage from their cowardice and loyalty from their treason. I love that quote because... God is calling men like you, men like myself and the friends that I texted this to, to be faithful, no matter how dark it gets around us. Brother, it's been a pleasure. We need to do it again. And I got an idea for you. Next time we'll have Joey on and Dennis from Focus and Faith. He's a BW friend. Yeah. He's also very, maybe the four of us can have an open discussion like this. I think it'll be good. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, Yeah. Until next time, stay tuned. Thank you, Ryan, for coming on. It was a blast, brother.
1: Thank you for having me.